A reading from the book of Galatians. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed so also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Good morning. For those who are visiting, again, a warm welcome. My name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. As we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word, would you bow your heads as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of our message today is God is good and he has a good plan. And let me begin by asking you this question. Have you ever noticed how humans have a high capacity for foolishness? I read that this week. Have you ever noticed that humans have a high capacity for foolishness? For instance, his name's Derek. And Derek thought he could predict the future. Therefore, driven by an unbridled passion for his football team, Derek went ahead and got a Buffalo Bills championship tattoo this year prior to their divisional game against the Chiefs. Unfortunately for Derek, things didn't go as he had planned. The Bills gave up a 24-20 lead in the fourth quarter and then shanked a kick that would have brought the game to overtime, uh, thereby losing to their rivals, the Chiefs, at home. Friends, it's safe to say that Derek's tattoo and Derek, pictured here, excuse me, pictured here, look at Derek, and that's in like zero degrees as well. All of this was foolishness. Or perhaps you've heard the story of two truck drivers on the highway who came across a low-hanging overpass. The caution sign said the bridge only had a clearance of 13 feet, one inch, 
And the pair knew that their 18-wheeler had a clearance of approximately 14 feet. Nonetheless, Jay, after looking around and seeing no cops in the area, the one dude said to the other dude, let's just go for it. And they did. And the result was not pretty. Foolishness. How about this? Or it's like the little kid who would wake up every single Saturday morning to watch the Bill Dance fishing show. Anyone? Come on. A couple? Okay. I got a couple. Yeah, okay, a couple. It's like that little kid who'd wake up every Saturday morning to watch a fishing show and then get sold on the belief that for his life to be complete, I mean really complete, he had to purchase the banjo minnow. Right? And it wasn't just one banjo minnow. He had to purchase the entire set of 110 banjo minnows uh, with, uh, uh, through the infomercial, uh, affordably, uh, two payments, 1995, which he did. And guess what? He caught nothing. I tried and I tried and I tried. I fished on Lake Wells Lake, Lake Easy Crooked Lake, all these lakes around Polk County, and I didn't catch a thing with the banjo minnow. But I had been obsessed. I thought if I could only get the banjo minnow, my life as a fisherman would be complete. Foolishness. They're a fraud. Anyone catch a fish with the banjo minnow? Okay. See? Got a witness. Humans. Humans. We have a remarkable penchant for foolishness, don't we? If we only buy this, if we only believe in this, if we only do this, you get the point. So why do I share these opening stories? Well, here's why. I share them because in today's passage, we see the Apostle Paul call out his friends for foolishness. We do. In today's passage, the Apostle Paul calls out his spiritual friends, or should I say family, and invites them to look further, deeper, and far beyond to see all that the gospel offers to them. And here's the deal, church. We're invited to do the same. We're invited to step back and look at all that the gospel offers us. And with this introduction, the big idea we're going to see and unpack today from Galatians 3 is this. Faith is trusting that God is good. He has a good plan. And the weight of that good plan does not fall on you or me. Faith is trusting that God is good. He has a good plan, and the weight of that ultimately does not fall on you or me. So let's dive into his word together. Point one, God is good, and Teddy, he has a good plan. We read, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? That's verses 1 through verse 5. During our first few years of marriage, Carly would ask me the same question friends, over and over again. Do you really? Do you really? Every time I would express 
my love for my bride, she'd turn to me and say, do you really? Do you really love me? I don't know if it was a game for her or some kind of doubt in her, but every single time she would respond to my love by asking, do you really, Paul, love me? Bringing this into the room, perhaps this is a question you're carrying in your own life or your faith journey today. God, do you really? Can you really love me? For years, this was a struggle for me in my own faith journey. God, do you really love me? And moreover, uh, when I screw up, when I fail, when I fall on my face, will you keep loving me? Any of you carry those questions ever before in your life? Well, here's the good news. If this is your current struggle, as it was mine, you're not alone. You're not alone in this struggle. In fact, I believe this very struggle is found at the heart of our passage today. But before diving into the specifics, allow me to first share some background information on our passage in the book in general, Galatians. I know we have several visitors, so again, a warm welcome. The book of Galatians, as we've been looking at over the last month, it was a letter, not a book, but a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young church or young churches that the Apostle helped start in first century AD. With a message of grace, that is God's unmerited favor and forgiveness through the work of Jesus, God had invited these Gentile believers, these non-Jewish peoples, into a life-changing relationship um, with himself. Paul had invited them into a relationship with God, excuse me. The only problem is they had an enemy. They had uh, a, a group coming in called the Judaizers that were saying things contrary to what Paul had taught. Specifically, they said, if you really want to be a true Christian, you have to be a true Jew first, and thus you have to get circumcised, obey the Old Testament law through and through, and observe certain days. And of course, Paul had raised an objection to this, and uh, he said, no, it's by grace alone through faith alone. That's simply trusting in Jesus that you're saved. Nothing more, nothing less. So that's the backdrop, which brings us to verse 1. Through six rapid-fire rhetorical questions, Paul, I'll tell you this, Heather Schwartzberg read the scripture in the first service, and it was scary. But he brings the heat. The apostle Paul here brings the heat. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And then dropping down, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, the apostle Paul basically asks his beloved spiritual family, who has caused you to doubt the Lord's love for you? And who has caused you to doubt the never-ending impact of the cross, the power of the cross for you? Thus, yes, the apostle brought the heat, but listen, Paul wasn't fired up at the Galatians as much as he was fired up for the Galatians. He wasn't fired up as much at them, but for them. Put differently, Paul was a spiritual dad or father trying to protect his kids. Right? Parents, mentors, students, that's the point of loving warnings, right? Who has bewitched you? Now, before pushing forward in our text, allow me to highlight another 
component or element we see here. Note he doesn't say to the Galatians, what has bewitched you? He says, who? Meaning one fellowship behind all the lies and distortions of the gospel is not simply bad doctrine, but a bad actor. Let me repeat that. Behind all lies and distortions of the gospel is not simply bad doctrine, but a bad actor. And we can't miss this. Jesus himself said about Satan, he is the liar and father of all lies, John 8. And Peter warned, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, Later, the great reformer John Calvin would reflect in this way. The devil sometimes uses apparently small, subtle issues to distance us from the gospel without our even uh, ever perceiving it. And that, you guys, seems to have been Paul's big concern here in Galatians 3. The grace of Jesus was being polluted by a performance-based teaching driven by a bad actor. You got it? So where does he go from here with the Galatians? Well, here's where he goes. He takes them to a story. He takes them to a story. I'm going to take you to this story. If you need someone, excuse me, if you need to imagine by closing your eyes, Ryan, close your eyes, okay? Kel, close your eyes. Or if you're someone, you'll fall asleep, keep your eyes open. Here it is. One fellowship. Imagine, if you will, an old lady. She's about to be 90 years old. And imagine an old man who just turned 99 years old. And imagine that God appears to this old man and tells him something uh, greatly unexpected. God tells the old timer that despite his old age and despite his wife's old age, and get this, despite a longstanding struggle with infertility, this old couple will soon have a son together. Are you with me? Imagine that scene and that conversation, 90 years old, 99 years old. Now, imagine God next taking the old man outside and having him look up at night at the sky and begin counting the stars. And after a while, imagine God then telling the old man that as numerous as the stars are in the sky, so will this man's offspring be on the face of the earth. You still with me? Imagine that, church. Now imagine one more thing. Imagine the old man turning to God after all this whole crazy, unexpected vision and conversation and saying to God, I believe you. I believe you, God. Despite all the circumstances and barriers in front of me and behind me, I believe you. Now open your eyes. That's quite the story, right? Well, this, friends, is the ancient story and the true story of Abraham and Sarah, as recorded in Genesis chapter 15, to which Paul directs the Galatians next in our passage. Returning to our text, he writes, so also Abraham believed God, and it was credited him as righteousness. He's quoting Genesis 15. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. In other words, what the apostle is saying is that the state and legitimacy of our faith are not based on our performance, but God's provision. The state and legitimacy of our faith are not based on what we bring to the table, but what God brings to the table. You got it? And this is the key differentiator between Christianity and every other faith tradition in the world throughout history, what God does for us, as scholars have pointed out time and time again. So Abraham did what? He believed. 
That's what we're told. He believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's all it took. He believed. He trusted. He placed his faith in God, not in circumstances, successes, failures, power, purity, age, race, gender, you name it. All he did was believe, and that was enough. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. Can I get a witness in here? Come on! Paul then goes on to expound in our text, Scripture foresaw, listen to how amazing this is. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Wait, way back there in Genesis? Yes, the gospel, way back to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you so so that those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Friends, this is good news. It's really good news, not just for that early church of Gentiles, but for you and me too. It means this. It means you don't have to be from any particular faith background, ethnic background, national background to be welcomed into the family of God. You don't have to be from any particular place, people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be welcomed into the family of God. Thus, Paul's saying to these Galatians, the Judaizers and anyone like them, They're liars. They're wrong. So Hannah, by faith in Christ, you're welcomed into the family. Jack, by faith in Christ, you're welcomed into God's family. Ellen, by faith in Christ, you're welcomed into the family. Whoever you are and wherever you're from, by faith in Jesus, you're welcomed into the family. What good news. Amen? So point one, God's good, and he has a good plan. And Paul stretches it all the way back to the beginning of the Bible to show the Galatians and us this good plan. Now, point two, the weight of God's plan does not fall on you or me. I'm not sure, another story, I'm not sure uh, if you've been to Brazil, but there's this statue called Christ the Redeemer that sits above Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, some 2,300 feet above sea level. I'm sure you've seen it in movies if you've not seen it in person. It's huge, it's gorgeous, and it seems to bring to mind Jesus' transcendence, his transcendence. However, what you might not be acquainted with is the Christ of the Abyss statue, located underwater, just off the coast of Portofino, Italy, standing only eight feet tall and sunken to a depth of 56 feet. It's not nearly as imposing as its Brazilian counterpart. Instead, as you can see from this picture, it's humble, it's meek, and it highlights Jesus' powerful eminence. Stated differently, it illustrates the incredible depth Jesus was willing to go for you and for me. Now, Returning to our passage, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it's written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it's written, curse is everyone who's hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul introduces a master class in theology here. We're not going to spend much time unpacking this, but I, I do want to highlight two things. First, as pointed out last week, the Judaizers, the people with whom Paul was having an issue, they completely missed the point of the Old Testament law. They completely missed the point of the Old Testament law. law. They believed that if they could live right, they could appear right before God. However, here's the problem. <laughs> they weren't right. In all sorts of ways, no one can live right and perfectly obey the law. Look at it this way, okay? Reagan, let's say I have a cup of water. A cup of water, and I just take one drop of poison, and I drop it into that cup of water, and I say, hey, take a drink. You'd say, no way, pastor. And that's the point. It's all contaminated. We read in James chapter 2, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles, at one point it's guilty of breaking all of it. Thus, as Paul would later write, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, listen, friends, we can stop pre-qualifying people to receive the grace of the gospel of Jesus. And if you've ever been pre-qualified or judged to receiving it, that's not of God. This leads us to the last thing I want to highlight from our text. Here it is. You know all those bad things you've done and will do in life, the lying, the cheating, the swearing, the stealing, you name it, here's the gospel. To, excuse me, to satisfy God's justice and his mercy, Jesus gave his life for you in place of you. Jesus took the punishment for you. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and judgment for you. Ready for it? To satisfy God's justice and his mercy for all time. Jesus did this for you. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Returning to our text, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, by trust, by belief, we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Friends, don't miss it. Please don't miss this. Here it is. God is good, and he has a good plan, and the weight of that plan doesn't fall on you or me. So what's the invitation from our passage today? Well, here it is. Have faith. Take a deep breath. Have faith. Have faith. A synonym of faith, this really helped me. Believe it or not, I couldn't quite understand faith. A synonym of faith is simply the word trust. Have trust in Jesus. Not in yourself. Not in your religiosity or piety. Not in your nationality or ethnicity. No, not in anything or anyone 
else but faith solely and fully in Jesus. Place your weight there. And that's where you will find rest for your heart, for your soul. Nothing else and no one else will satisfy. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, listen to this. All the promises of God find their yes in him, meaning Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes in him. Thus, friends, have faith. No matter what you're facing, have faith. No matter what you've done, have faith. No matter where you're going, have faith. Jesus and his grace are more than enough, not only to save you, but to carry you to the end. Friends, faith is trusting that God is good, he has a good plan, and the ultimate weight of that good plan does not fall on you or me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.